New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Soccer Show and I'll look ahead to the 2023 Major League Soccer season. Yes, as we record, the 28th season of the league is a little over six weeks away. We've got a new team in the mix, a new broadcast deal and a new month-long international tournament that will be sandwiched right in the middle of the action. Good times indeed. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me to talk all things MLS today, we have TSS Commissioner Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, Ryan. That was the best introduction to MLS possible. Like, new team, new random competition. We're not sure we need new broadcast deal. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You've covered all the bases. We can call this one quits. I felt like I said it in a more positive way than you did. You, you kind of put a, <laughs> a tired slant on it, Tato. I mean, the league, the league's cup thing, we're going to get into it. But I feel like sandwiching in a month-long competition is a good way to describe that one, in my opinion. Indeed, indeed. Joining us, Taylor, we have our MLS MVP, Joe Lowry. Say hello. Hello. Yes, I'm happy to be here chatting MLS with all of you fine folks. It is crazy to me that there is yet another team joining the league, as Ryan discussed. I'm more bothered by that than I am by Leagues Cup being sandwiched in in the middle of July and August. But we can talk about both of those things later on. We can indeed. The 29th team joining Joseph, despite Charlotte FC being announced as the 30th franchise in 2019. Something happened. Mm, Yes, we all know. Rounding out the pack, the Guardian's MLS correspondent is here (laughs) and a man who wears a hoodie almost as well as Jim Curtin, Graham Rutherford. Hello. Quite the accolade. Hello, Ryan Bailey. I'm not sure that that is true. And, And also the difference is my hoodies, the hoodies that I wear are freebies that teams and PR companies have sent me and Jim Curtin wears Prada. Uh, so that is the big difference between the two of us. Also, a very good, sharp, tactical mind and football coach. I'm not quite at that level yet. Not yet, but you're getting there. You're dressing the part, at least. I don't have a hoodie on today. I thought I'd wear an MLS shirt because yeah. I'm a nerd, as Taylor called me before we started recording. <laughs> so in honour of the, uh, the the best run franchise in MLS and the best head coach in MLS as well, I'm, I'm wearing an Inter-Miami uh, shirt today. It looks wonderful, Graham. Uh, if if it gets a bit hot in your uh, recording space, you're going to start sweating. We're going to see the <laughs> GPS vest through your shirt. I did think that when I put it on. This is actually the, like the authentic one, so it does go see-through, so stop staring at my, at my nipples, Ryan Bailey. No. <laughs> okay. Graham, does it also allow you to see all the hidden cash payments? Like, is that Can you hide them in the sports bra as well? And then when yeah. it's see-through, they become visible? How does that work? So if you look around here, there's a pocket for a couple extra DPs. Um, oh good <laughs> it's the authentic 7th DP edition you're wearing there. I like yeah, it yeah exactly very nice indeed are you excited though Graham for, for the return of MLS yeah absolutely I mean it's difficult to talk about MLS at the moment without mentioning this Apple TV deal which it feels like a lot of the excitement is enveloped in that and obviously yesterday we had Apple announce Apple and MLS announced the first set of broadcasters that are going to be involved in their coverage of the league, so that just ramped up excitement as well. So it's kind of difficult for me to to uh, separate out, am I excited for MLS, the MLS season, or am I excited for this new TV deal, which for me, I understand there are some concerns over um, a lack of linear TV in the US and scheduling maybe clashing with youth soccer games, but for me, a soccer nerd who'd be watching these games anyway, putting them all in one place and on a on a service that I would likely have anyway, um, I know it's a supplementary subscription on top of Apple TV, that's slightly confusing, but nonetheless, this is better for me, it's going to be in 1080p as well, which I think is popular with uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. Joe Lowry as, as well. 
Yeah, I feel like it's not greedy to ask for 1080p in the year 2023. I think MLS <laughs> has been lagging behind for a long, long time on that, on that one, Graham. The one thing I will say about the Apple TV stuff, I know we'll talk about it more in just a second, is there's going to be a massive chunk of those games available for free. I think it's 40% is what the folks at The Athletic have calculated out. So that is, I understand that the MLS portion of this Apple TV subscription is going to be a supplementary thing, as you said. But realistically, who out there, other than me, at least, is watching more than 40% of any given MLS season, like that's going to be plenty as far as an offering goes to get people introduced to the product if they haven't watched MLS before or to get them on board with Apple in, in some capacity. I would expect that 40% number is going to drop year over year. But at least for this season, that's a big chunk. Yeah. And, and season ticket holders as well, I believe, get free a free subscription. Yep. I'm not yep. clear on whether that's just for their team or for the, for if it's league wide. But nonetheless, that that seems like a pretty significant thing as well to keep fans of the league watching the league throughout the season on this on this yeah. new service. Graham, I actually read up on this. You get a free subscription to the Apple TV service if you have a a season ticket for a team, but they smear me, uh, uh, Vaseline on the lens. You get it goes down to 720p again. Oh right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you have to pay the extra subscription for someone to come around and wipe the Vaseline off, right? That's correct, yeah. Cool. Correct. Got it. Yeah, very good. Uh, Taylor, what are your thoughts on this uh, broadcast deal? It does seem to be dominating conversation. Uh, Apple's 10-year deal is beginning, as we have established here. It's called MLS Season Pass with the Apple TV Plus app. It's a little confusing, as Graham said, because it's going to sit on top of the current thing that's also called Apple TV Plus, isn't it? I think. Um, I think we get some games on Fox still, none more on ESPN, though. But a pretty big change, Taylor, in the broadcast landscape. But we do have some familiar faces who will be joining the broadcast teams. We we do. I would love to hear more about those familiar faces from you because I don't have a list of them in front of me. What I will say is that I tend to be the type of person who pays attention to the broadcast deal about five minutes before kickoff of the first game when I'm frantically trying to figure out how to watch the season for the first time. Uh, and, and that is probably when I will get uh, truly, really excited about it. I think this is one of those things, in my opinion, that is, if you follow MLS uh, really regularly, if you write about it, if you care a lot about it, you are super excited about this deal. If you are me, who watches kind of like the bigger teams, the bigger games, tries to watch DC United as much as I can stomach... Um, it's less. It's. It feels more of a like. Okay, cool. New provider. We'll see what happens. That said, uh, I think it was Joe or maybe Ryan. I apologize. Uh, included that link to Pablo's uh, Twitter thread about sort of all the new features that will be there. And I appreciate that it ended with uh, some clubs are feeling overwhelmed by this, just because it does seem like it's going to be a lot of new content and a lot of new yeah. sort of avenues for people to get involved with clubs, learn more about those clubs. Uh, so I think that sort of thing will grow on me. Right now, it's abstract. So. I think I'm I'm less enthusiastic yep. than I am just about the season starting again. Can I just pick that up? Because I, I spotted that that thread from Pablo um, just before we started recording, and I find it fascinating. So yep. just to kind of read out, give you the gist of of this thread, his Twitter thread. Basically, he got his hands on a, on a document MLS distributed to its clubs last month, and in this document, it lays out what is expected of the clubs to produce. For Apple TV Plus, this new subscription service, it's not just going to be the games. There's going to be a whole load of other content on there as well. So some uh, some things in there. The Ritual, which is a fan-focused piece that lays out club traditions, supporter culture, etc. A series of two-minute long profiles on a dozen of each club's players to run all year. A five-episode series on iconic players, coaches, um, a minimum of five classic club moments pieces which look back at club's history. There's loads of stuff in here that's going to go on top of the of the live matches. And I, and I just find that really interesting because that is that is very much leaning into what F1 has done for with um what's it called Ryan Drive to Survive and yeah. Tennis has got on Friday there's a there's the tennis version coming out and it feels like storytelling a- Apple and MLS are kind of recognizing how important storytelling is in the, in the distribution of a league it's not just about putting matches on on a, on a service out there anymore it's about telling the stories of teams and players and so on so I am very interested to see whether clubs and MLS can keep that level of content up it feels pretty ambitious and quite as as you mentioned there Taylor overwhelming for mm-hmm. to put that on the clubs but if it works it, it's um it could be a home run putting all that content in one place for people to consume MLS stuff without having to go elsewhere I think Ryan and I both chuckled at some of the history elements for clubs that have just come into the league. I don't know if <laughs> that's what you're talking about. with their five classic moments, yeah. Right, so that's going to be funny. I, I do think this is good. 
I also think we should all have realistic expectations, and MLS should as well, though they're not going to say this publicly, about what is achievable and what is not achievable, right? There are some clubs out here that are, are straight up just not equipped to produce that much content. Now, there is a good side of this. The, the bad side is like they're just not going to be ready or it's not going to be good enough or whatever that looks like. There'll be a lot of good stuff because clubs like Atlanta or LAFC or, or even you know some smaller clubs that invest much more on this digital side of content, they're going to be ready. But the, the, the downside is you know that a lot of clubs are not going to be putting out this sort of product and, and aren't going to be doing it at the same level. The upside is hopefully that creates jobs for people in the soccer space. And that's the biggest thing that has me excited about this Apple deal in the first place is it's more money than MLS was going to get, at least until 2026, you know, 2.5 billion over 10 years. That is that is potentially difference making money, at least for the first few years of the deal. Maybe there would have been more upside to go for a shorter contract and then try to hit something off the, the balance of the 2026 World Cup. But there's no guarantee there. I think this is an example of that sort of club based content. Add in the the whip around show as well that I believe is going to have Bradley Wright Phillips doing some studio analysis, maybe Sasha Kleschen in there. I mean, there are some really intriguing and fun names and concepts that MLS is working with that I, I don't think we were going to see for this league with any other broadcast partner. So, so that's kind of the reason why I'm excited for the content that Graham ran us through for, for some of the more unique aspects. Now, the caveat here, sort of like there are going to be clubs that aren't equipped to produce this stuff, realistically... MLS is still not equipped to do this stuff. They've gone out and, and they've they've started working with IMG to to help them with a lot of these broadcast stuff and, and a lot of the elements of, of these the, the, this new deal. But realistically, things are just not going to be ramped up by February 25th. Taylor Tolman had a quote to Pablo for The Athletic that says, I don't think what you're going to see on opening day is going to be what you see in six months or a year or two years down the road, which is stating the obvious because there is just no way, at least in my view, that things are going to be all the way ramped up by February 25th. That's less than two months from now. And they haven't even hired all of the broadcast talent. They haven't announced all of the broadcast talent. So there's a lot of things that are still up in the air, but I'm still excited about what this could look like, even if it's not all the way there on the 25th. It's very exciting. As an Apple stan, I'm very excited to see like maybe super drafts look like those presentations that Apple do when they release iPhones. Mm. Uh, If my team sucks... I'm going to uh, don't, don't, go on. Don't go Ryan, sorry. You just stood on my joke about <laughs> if my team sucks, I'm going to take them to the genius bar to fix them, Graham. <laughs> oh, ha, 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 very good, Ryan. I was going to make another joke, which wasn't as good as that one. So carry on. Yeah, all right. Apple stuff done. Why don't we talk about League's Cup, Taylor? What are your thoughts on this? Obviously, it's a month-long um, tournament that's happening in the middle of the season from July 21st to August 19th. The action, by the way, kicks off on February 25th. So it's going to see MLS teams take on Liga Emeki's opponents. In our running order, Taylor, Graham mm-hmm. has written, why does it exist? I can think of <laughs> one reason why it exists. Can you? Money, please. That Money, would be please. the one. That would be the one. I mean, I, I think there's more, probably they want more like cross-promotion, cross-connectivity in the lead-up to 2026 between Liga Mekis and the U.S. Uh, so I think there's that. I think the idea of like encouraging more familiarity in terms of competition is probably a big part of it. And I, I think there's also an awareness that uh, like U.S. soccer supporters like beating me- like teams from Mexico. Mexico fans like beating teams from the United States. So I think there's a built-in rivalry there that will add that next element of drama. The question then just becomes how much are teams going to enjoy playing in this? Is there going to be so much pride? Is there going to be so much we don't want to lose this like public, highly public game that people will play their best players? Is it going to be an opportunity to rest or play youngsters? I think the enthusiasm that uh, like GMs and coaches bring to that competition will go a long way towards determining how exciting it's actually going to be. Yeah, Taylor, I love that point about you know who's going to play. The scheduling difficulty is, I think, the biggest problem with this. I like the concept of League's Cup. I think this is the direction soccer is going. You know, we've heard discussions about the Netherlands and Belgium growing relationships, right? And the leagues there, the Super League obviously being a, a big deal and a big talking point just a couple of years ago. This, I believe, more of these cross-pollinating types of tournaments or competitions or whatever it is, I think we're going to see more of this all around the world, not just in North America going forward. So I'm intrigued by the concept because it's not... It's not like two whole leagues are merging and you're losing something. You're, you're gaining something. So I'm intrigued by that. But the fact uh, of what the competition is actually going to look like, that is somewhat worrying to me. Because if you think about it, it's a month-long break. Teams are only guaranteed two games. Some teams are only guaranteed one game because they get a bye straight out of the group stage, which is three team groups. Some teams are only guaranteed one, and that's in the round of 32. You could get bounced in that round or get bounced out of the group stage, and you have, what, two, three weeks, three and a half weeks, whatever it is, to sit on your hands Summer and put your thumbs. Summer vacation, Joe. Woo! 
I, I guess, but that's not ideal for, for ramping back up into the season. Like, this is going to be a test run in so many ways. It's going to be a test run for the three-team group format. FIFA, I'm sure, is going to be paying very close attention to that. It's going to be a test run to see, okay, you know, was this a really bad idea in terms of how we structured this thing to get teams in and get teams out? I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think that is the biggest obstacle for this thing actually being a success. Mm. The, the cynic in me says that MLS used the League's Cup to bulk up their offering when they were putting the TV rights sure. out for to sure. tender. Be- because they used to have the US national team matches to, to bundle together in that, in that rights package. Then they broke them apart. And so it wasn't uh, the, the US games aren't in the package that MLS has just sold to Apple. And, and so there was an argument that while MLS was looking for more money for this deal, they, they were offering less. And I just think the League's Cup allows them to counter that idea and, and give them more matches to sell to, to Apple. So I, I do have questions on now that the TV deal is in place. What is the long-term or even medium-term future of this competition? Obviously, MLS and Liga Mekis have been getting closer and closer over the last few years, um, but their teams already play each other in, in CCL, so I'm, I'm not really sure what the competitive purpose of it is, to be honest. Graham, I think that's a really astute point about how it's basically bulking up the package as they, as they were trying to bid it. Uh, and I know that legal scholars will say this is fraud. I think they should have just lied and been like, oh, also we're going to be playing in the UEFA Champions League. Did we mention that? Uh, <laughs> and then, then, you know, just see what happens. See how many more people are interested yeah. if you just kind of throw some things in like that. We're in the NFL this year too. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Charlotte Taylor, is though, right? Is, <laughs> is there a risk, Taylor, yeah. that um, the MLS teams get their butts handed to them a little bit in this contest as well? And it's, I'm sorry. It, and it's a <sighs> negative PR I'm, move for the league. I'm still laughing at Joe's point. I do love the idea of David Tepper trying to save money by just having <laughs> Charlotte FC play, like, become the Panthers and then the Panthers become Charlotte FC. Just back and forth. We can't get any the worse. The Panthers, that is. Um, the Panthers. Uh, yeah, Ryan, I think that that's a, a, a pretty solid shout, especially becomes MLS te- because MLS teams are sometimes slowly building their roster and sometimes they are slowly deconstructing the last roster build. And and so I think there's a good chance that you will have uh, some imbalance in terms of uh, certain teams maybe getting beaten pretty badly, but I think you'll still have plenty of teams uh, being pretty competitive because it's another trophy, it's another opportunity to have eyes upon you. So I I hope that it is more balanced. I can see some uh, areas in which maybe some MLS teams are going to be in trouble. Perhaps so. We shall see. Some summer fun ahead for all of us, though. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's learn a little more about the new guy in the league. We're going to learn about some player signings that are exciting us and much, much more. Stick around. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. Uh, we have Joseph Lowry, a new team in the mix. Team number 29 comes in St. Louis City SC this season. 
Um, what do we think of their moves so far? The coach is Bradley Carnell from from the German game. He was Red Bull, the Rebels' assistant. Uh, the DPs haven't been megastars, shall we say, at this point. Roman Berkey may be the biggest name so far. Uh, X versus Dortmund keeper. Are we impressed, Joseph? Nope. I'm not impressed really whatsoever <laughs> in terms of the, the roster that they've built. This looks to me, I'm not, I'm going to stop taking shots at Charlotte. This looks to me much more like a, a Charlotte, maybe not Minnesota United because they were, they were really rough off the bat. But this to me feels like a team that is going to maybe trend up towards the playoff line at times, sort of like Charlotte FC did last year, but, but probably not get there. And I do think that should be the bar at minimum for every team in Major League Soccer. Making the playoffs just, it's difficult, but, but it's not impossible every year. So I don't love their roster. There are a few players that I'm, I'm intrigued by or excited about. I'll talk about those in just a second. But it's very clear to me that this team is going for success built on or based on style. And, and a philosophy as a club rather than talent. And Lutz von Steel has basically said as much in terms of, you know, saying I, I still believe in the power of the team in soccer and, you know, we don't, we don't need designated players, all that, all that kind of thing. We're not going to sign a third one before the season starts. So they have two DPs in their squad. One, Eduard Loven, and one is Joao Klaus. So Loven is a German midfielder. Klaus is a Brazilian forward. They're both 25 years old. Uh, Klaus is a number nine. He's almost exclusively played in Finland and Austria and Belgium, so hasn't really ever been at the highest level. Played, I think, 51 minutes for Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, so he had enough time for a cup of coffee, maybe a second, depending on how quick he drinks. Uh, He hasn't scored more than five goals in either of the last two seasons. Not exactly a great track record there in terms of like what he looks like and what fans should expect. He's tall, about six foot three, right footed. He's, he lumbers around the field a little bit. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to press from the front with him necessarily, but I, I'm sure they will because I think that's what they're going to do as a team. Uh, he can hold up the ball. He's solid in the air. He makes runs in the channels, gets in the box. He's going to be Bradley Carnell's prototypical number nine. And then Lovin, I, I like a, a little bit more. I'm not sure I love him, but I think he's going to be a solid MLS player, maybe even a good MLS player. Played about 4,000 minutes in the Bundesliga, but that comes over the last five years. So hasn't been a regular there, never really anything more than a spot starter for Hertha Berlin or Augsburg or, or Bochum. Those are the team he's, teams he's played for in the Bundesliga. Uh, he's right-footed, can hit a good set piece, a little sloppy with his passing at times, but I think that will, will tighten up in MLS because it's not as hard as the Bundesliga. Uh, he's generally fine to good at most things, but not really great at anything. So that's my, my rundown on the DPs. I mentioned style earlier before I turn it to anybody else who wants to say something here. Carnell is, is a Red Bull guy. This I would expect this team to press and to try to use that overarching aggressive pressing style to basically become another version of the Red Bulls and to try to have that be what elevates this group. The Red Bulls do it every year, right? They, they are this team that doesn't have a ton of elite talent, at least not since they, they've been competing for the Supporter Shield, had players like Tyler Adams and Sasha Kleschen and Bradley Wright Phillips. Now the Red Bulls are, are kind of a shell of their former selves in terms of talent but they can still be competitive because they're really good and really well drilled in the press. That's going to be what St. Louis is really relying on this year under Bradley Carnell, given the squad that they put together. Joe, uh, that's a great rundown of that roster. My, my one question for you goes back to, I think, your initial trepidation, maybe your, your lukewarm feeling towards uh, St. Louis City SC. Does this feel a bit... Oh, you still haven't seen Moneyball, have you? Well, you get the premise. Uh, this feels like a team that uh, will have sort of questioning things written about it, and then if they succeed, it is a testament to this roster build and the idea of philosophy, but it also feels like a team that could really struggle out the gate, and and I, I just, I, I, f- I feel like it could be, everybody ends up looking like geniuses with the way they yeah. built this team, but so many of the players uh, are maybe a few MLS veterans, but a lot of people who moved a year or two ago and then have been playing in the reserve team or St. Louis City 2 for like a couple games. It just it doesn't feel like there is that competitive element there at this point. Yeah, I, I just don't think this team's ceiling is very high. And I think the only way everybody who's responsible for this roster build looks like a genius is if they finish like, you know, top four, maybe top five in, in their conference, right? I just don't I don't think this is even really like a money ball kind of roster. The players that they signed, I don't. I mean, I think if you're trying to build a money ball soccer team here in the U.S., you're probably digging in to USL and you're taking full advantage of players in MLS who have busted, and, and you're probably not signing two foreign DPs in that way, or at least not not these two. So I, I don't know. I still don't have my full thoughts together on this squad. A couple of players that I do like and in, in things that I think are positives about this team. They picked Nico Joachini in the expansion draft from Orlando. Still just 22, can be a depth option 
up top or on the wing or maybe even become a starter at some point this season. I still like Joe Akini's game. He's kind of a, a fluid flex player up top, so we'll see what that looks like. And then they just signed their first homegrown player earlier this week. And, and this is the most exciting stuff about St. Louis. It's really not, for me, the roster. It's not Lutz Fine and Steele dropping quotes that are gems left and right, although I do love that. It's not Bradley Carnell. It's, it's St. Louis as a city and, and what they have built in the past in terms of youth development, what this could look like going forward. The stadium that they built, which by all accounts looks beautiful, it's going to be ready. I think it's ready now. They've already had people come in and look at it from, from the media. I mean, it looks gorgeous. What St. Louis could be and the fan presence there, those are the exciting bits. And so I hope the roster, even though I'm not very high on it, I hope the roster is competitive enough that people keep coming back because St. Louis could be a really big city in terms of soccer now at the professional top tier level in the U.S. At surface level, it seems like that the stadium you mentioned there, Joe, is kind of where the money has gone and the facilities. I mean, that's a $500 million stadium. There doesn't seem to be any any public money involved in that so the club has the club has paid for that it, itself it's a downtown venue so you would you would hope that's going to help with the atmosphere it's had it's had two names already it hasn't uh, it hasn't hosted a, a professional match yet but it was originally called Centene Stadium and then they backed out of a 15 year partnership after 5 months and it's now called uh, City Park apparently i didn't i didn't uh, know it's that called until... City Park all capitalized because each letter is as important as the last one sure okay yeah, that sounds like <laughs> yeah. PR speak. You're sort of bagged. Ryan, did you just come up with that on the fly or is that actually... I know. Are you pitching this? It's just ridiculously <laughs> capitalised and they insist upon it, which I enjoy. Cool. Yeah, the stadium looks good. Name name maybe could do with some work. City Park's not bad, actually. It sounds quite... Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a brand name, but it, it sounds uh, kind of generic enough for it not to be that ostentatious. But yeah, stadium looks great. More importantly, Graham, the kits. I do quite like these kits. What do you think of them? They've got like a cat I, food sponsor. Yeah, They're a nice that's the thing. thing I was going to mention. <laughs> the kit itself is nice, but I can't go over the fact that there's a giant cat food <laughs> brand on the front of it, which feels like the least glamorous MLS sponsor. And, there, and there's a few up there, uh, not very glamorous MLS sponsors, but that might be top I of the mean, list. I mean, wait, hold on. Like, what... What type of cat food are we talking here before we get into glamour? Like, are we talking fancy feast or are we talking like generic meow mix? I have, so it's Purina. Purina. Yeah. I, I don't have a cat, so I don't know whether that's the good stuff or not. And is it specifically cat? Like, because they made dog food too. Have they I gone, they have they gone made, all yeah. in on cats? Okay. Yeah, I just leaned into cat. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just the cat side of the company that's, that's sponsoring yeah. St. Louis. Yeah, they maybe for an away kit, they'll do the dog side. It's not you dog know, city. For too long, MLS teams have been uh, Team Dog. I am Team Dog myself, but I like that St. Louis has make it, made the bold decision to court Team Cat. That's uh, that's pretty impressive on their part. Indeed. Uh, so we look forward to seeing St. Louis City and for Joseph Lowry to predict they'll finish bottom of the standings. As Don't tempt me. Tradition with Don't new franchises, me. I believe. I hope. We shall see. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, why don't we talk about some player signings, some off-season player signings that have intrigued us so far. Joe... Uh, do you want to start with Ashley Westwood going from Burnley to Charlotte? Um, <laughs> or do you want to go somewhere else? I mean, what, what could go wrong there? Yeah, I mean, we, we could start with a 32-year-old coming off of a major injury. Or or we could start yeah. somewhere else. Why don't we do that? Why don't we start somewhere else? Sure. This one, Graham put down in the dock. I did not, but it is the one we should lead with. It's Joseph Martinez. So news broke yesterday. Paul and Sam... I uh, reported that it looked like Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United were nearing a buyout, which would free Joseph Martinez from his contract with Atlanta United. And it sounds like the next step for him, and, and reports from either Paul and Sam and Tom reported on this as well, um, that, that he would then be going down to sign with Inter-Miami. Apparently he was visiting with the club and is already sort of in, embedded a little bit down there. It sounds like this stuff is going to happen. This is big, right? I mean, the, the relationship between Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United had been deteriorating for a while, certainly throughout last season, there's the chicken and rice incident in the locker room where he gets angry at Gonzalo Pineda. There's a little bit of an altercation. Joseph knocks chicken and rice off of the catering table in Providence Park, I believe it was. And it sort of goes everywhere and it's a big story. Uh, you know, Joseph been dealing with knee injuries sort of off and on and, and didn't really look like himself, or at least not able to play the same number of minutes that he did earlier on in his career in Major League Soccer. So things have been deteriorating a little bit there. Now he's in Miami. Graham, I have thoughts on this move and, and sort of whether I think it's good or bad for Miami. Mm. What do you think about all this? Because to some extent this was expected, to some extent this was all unexpected because I could never fully picture Joseph Martinez leaving Atlanta, but it, it seems like it's happening now. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it will be weird to see him play for another team in, in MLS that isn't Atlanta United. For Inter-Miami, it, it is a gamble for all the reasons that, that you mentioned there, Joe. I don't know who was to blame for the breakdown of the relationship at, at, at Atlanta United, but nonetheless, there's maybe questions over over his uh, elements of his character. He's got the injury problems as well recently. But I, I think it's a gamble that's certainly worth taking for Inter-Miami. Agreed. They obviously improved a lot over the course of, of last year. They made the playoffs, which didn't look likely at the start of the season. Um, but a lot of goals have left that team with Gonzalo Higuain re- retiring. He was their top scorer in, in 2022. He kind of came good towards the end of the year. He scored 16 times in that season. So Martinez looks like being the, the straight replacement for, for Higuain. And as you mentioned, fitness will be a major factor in whether or not Martinez is able to, to fill that void. But there was the same discussion around Higuain as well. And, and he still delivered in his, in his, uh, in his, in his final season. Inter-Miami have made some stupid signings as an MLS franchise, but I I, I don't think this is one of them. Um, the reporting is he's not even going to be a DP, so he's on a non-DP contract, that's so that, that's another reason this, for me, is is worth the risk. And I just think he, as I say, is a, is a, is a risk worth taking. He knows the league, he scored in the league before. I, I'll be interested to see what Inter-Miami do next in this offseason. They need to make a decision on Pozuelo, who's out of contract after um, arriving last summer. They've locked down Campania, which was significant. Obviously, Higuain, as I mentioned, is is gone. I think if you get Pozuelo in there as a, as a non-DP as well, then all of a sudden that, that roster is starting to look a little bit stronger because, and this is where it's a little bit funny with the reporting, nobody seems to know how many DP spots Inter-Miami have to play with, which has obviously been a problem for them in the past, famously. Check but there's pocket. a lot of stuff that seems to be... Yeah, they, yeah check my pocket. There, there's, there seems to be a lot of stuff that's related to whether they can offload Rodolfo Pizarro if they can do that, it seems like reading between the lines of various different reports that maybe there's one or two DP spots that they will have. So if you have Martinez and then potentially Pozuelo in that attack and Campania locked down, things are starting to look. It's starting to look like a recovery for Inter Miami from a couple of years ago where their 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 roster was an absolute mess after that scandal. Fun times ahead from uh, the uh, purveyors of your chosen shirt, Graham. Wonderful stuff, Tater. Any uh, players who've intrigued you? With their movements this close season? Yeah, uh, a, a random one for me. Uh, Marco Anjulo, Angulo, I'm guessing Anjulo, uh, to FC Cincinnati. Uh, I think FC Cincinnati have done some interesting things this offseason. Uh, they moved on some veterans, but they strengthened that midfield. Uh, Anjulo, I was watching him, uh, is a sort of mini uh, uh, Marwan Fellaini, as strange as that might sound, but he's got that kind of like slight frame. He's pretty skinny, but then he's got the giant afro, so you can see him wherever he is on the pitch. Uh, I think he's pretty raw from what I watched of him. A lot of the coverage I saw of this signing was that he's this like very technical, very comfortable on the ball, box-to-box midfielder. The box-to-box midfielder part is definitely correct. I would say less so in the like technique. Uh, I don't think the precision is always there. Sometimes it's a heavy touch. Sometimes it's sort of shooting into traffic when there are other options. But you can see the energy, the dynamism there, and I think he's going to be a really, really exciting player. Uh, and at only 20 years of age, coming over from Independiente in Ecuador, he's in Ecuador, I believe, international. I think he's got one cap. Uh, I think he will he will be a really exciting player as the season goes on. Maybe not to start, but I think once he beds in, gels with the team, and gets a little bit more confidence now in a new league and new environs, I think he will be a fan favorite and a, a PR favorite as well. So he's one that I think could turn some heads for a couple different reasons. Nice. Uh, Graham, there's been some movement off the field or coaching and, and back uh, front office, we should say. Uh, Wilfred Nancy going to Columbus from Montreal. Yeah, and, and Nancy obviously did a, an excellent job in, in, in Montreal last year. They're one of the most interesting teams to watch in, in MLS. They had one of the best midfield units. They could control games. I know Joe enjoyed watching them a lot. And I think they flew under the radar a little bit, but when they did get praise, they, they deserved it. However, I think it probably was the right time for Nancy to, to move on, given that that Montreal squad is is getting picked apart a little bit with Coney off to Watford and uh, who else? Alistair Johnson signed for Celtic and obviously Mihalovic. That deal was done a little while ago, but he's now gone to Alkmaar and there's no real replacement for him at Montreal. So his timing on this might be good and Columbus feels like it could be a good landing spot for him in that it shouldn't be a massive shift in terms of style of play. 
from Caleb Porter. I think he's a, a, a big upgrade, and Joe, you might have some things to say on that. But there will be a big difference in terms of mentality, and Nancy has, has talked about this already in his, in his own words. He says it's more about the mindset at the club than anything else. I think we'll see a more intense crew team this season. They will look to con- control games more. So Montreal were second for completed passes last year in MLS, while the crew were down in 11th. So you can see the difference between the two there. Um, Montreal were also brilliant at setting traps for team out of possession, and I think we'll see Columbus do that as well. In general, I think the crew are just going to become a more intelligent team under Nancy. I think it's a smart hire. I think it's interesting that the crew, instead of looking outside of MLS, have gone inside, to yeah. league, inside the league to see someone who has already proven himself in the division, who is a, a smart, intelligent coach, and Nancy ticks a lot of those boxes. Yeah, I like this move a lot for Columbus. I think it is an upgrade with, with the body of work we've seen from Wilfred Nancy. I know Caleb Porter has won MLS Cups, uh, but the the highs and the lows are real. And Nance, it seems to me, although he has less experience coaching in Major League Soccer, it seems to me that he is someone who's going to build a foundation that then can be built upon in future years, whether that's by him or someone else. The Montreal situation is weird because Montreal are maybe just the weirdest club in Major League Soccer. And so that roster did get picked apart. But barring that happening in the future, I, I think you could really build something here in Columbus. I like the style of play. We're going to see a possession-heavy style they're not going to press all the time. They're going to press in specific moments. Columbus's roster, I don't think, is all the way there yet for this next season. I think they need maybe some reinforcements at center back. I think they might need another attacker. Um, uh, at Montreal, Nancé would use a front two at times with a, a number 10 behind. He would use a 3-4-3 three, three at times, so you'd have almost two wingers flanking a number nine. I'm not sure that that Columbus really have those wingers. They lose Derek Etienne to Atlanta United this year. So that's an, a, a body that's gone for them. But, I mean, I love the idea of Darlington Nagby and Aiden Morris in midfield. I think that is that that could be a, a real foundation for this Columbus crew team under Nance. I, I just think he's a good coach. I think he's a smart coach. I think he knows what he's doing. I like that Columbus stayed inside the league to go find him and say, hey, we're going to weaken a rival and strengthen ourselves at the same time. That just doesn't happen enough in Major League Soccer. Now, there maybe aren't enough good coaches in Major League Soccer, so that's part of the reason why. But with Nance, I, I think this move really works out for him and for the crew. And some big changes uh, seem to be required at Atlanta over this close season, Taylor. Uh, they've made some changes at the top with Garth Lagway coming in, uh, replacing Darren Eels as CEO and president. Things is going to change in Georgia. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, I think it, it's 13 players confirmed off the books right now, uh, 14 if Joseph uh, ends up getting bought out. And that that move is a, a pretty big bummer. Just like for me as a neutral, it seemed like he was going to be an Atlanta legend. I think there were like murals. He does his his birth announcement there or the gender announcements and, and just stuff like that. It felt like he was really embedded in that city. I'm sure he'll be just as successful in Miami because uh, he's a pretty popular dude. But it, it, it does seem like a very strange time for Atlanta to be transitioning away from Joseph Martinez to clear out as much as they have. Uh, Derek Etienne Jr. Uh, c- coming in there, uh, a player that could make a difference, but I think is also representative of maybe the the build we're going to see under Lagerway. Joe, I'm wondering, it, it seems to me like this isn't a team that's going to be trying to compete right away, but more so going to get sort of a solid foundation to then build maybe in the latter half of the season and into next year. Do you feel like there's a chance they're more competitive than I'm giving them credit for? I do, just because it's Atlanta United, and and I I would assume that when the Joseph thing is finalized, that opens up a DP spot for them, I would assume that at some point in this transfer window, we're going to see them splash a lot of money on a number nine. I I would expect them to go down to South America to spend 10, 12, 15 million dollars on a striker, and you're rolling with that, you're rolling with with, with Thiago Almada who is at the World Cup for Argentina and is wanted by European teams. You're rolling with Luis Araujo, who comes from Liga in, in France and is a very good player if he's firing on all cylinders. Oh, and you get Miles Robinson back. And you have two of the best fullbacks in the league in, in Brooks Lennon and, and Andrew Gutman. So I, I think there's a lot to like about this team. I love the Derek Etienne acquisition. It's not, it's not particularly attractive, but he's a guy who's going to try hard. He's going to run a lot. He's going to be vertical. Atlanta United don't have enough of those guys. It seems like he could be in the perfect situation to score seven goals this year to actually press, to give them some movement in behind that then opens up space for Almada, for Araujo, and and for whoever that DP is. So I don't think this is a perfect squad, but I do think a lot of the moves that, you know, whether it's Lagerway, whether it's Bocanegra, I would expect a lot of this is Lagerway. A lot of the stuff he's been doing to clear out contracts off the books, to give them extra space, to get rid of players that just straight up didn't fit. I I think it's been a really good offseason so far for Atlanta United. And I do think in, in a lot of weird ways, it probably was time to move on from Joseph Martinez. I think he has a lot left to give, 
but I'm not really sure that there was a lot left for him to give in Atlanta. I think he's still going to be a legend for those fans. Those fans will love him forever, given some of the reaction that I was seeing on social media and, and, and hearing from folks yesterday when this news broke. You know, he's going to be a legend. He still might get a statue, in all honesty. But I think it was probably time for a change of scenery for Pineda in terms of getting a, a different number nine in who's not Joseph. So that's a change of scenery. It was probably time for Joseph to go and do something different. So I really like what Atlanta have done so far this offseason. I think they could compete for something this year. Yeah, I, th- I think what Atlanta are doing in this offseason, it feels quite ominous. They're, they're clearing the decks. They're, they're building up. They're freeing up some you know cap space and. They've got Lagerway in, who obviously is a huge hire for for them, given what he achieve, achieved in Seattle and RSL as well. So if you combine Lagerway, one of the best club builders in the league, with one of the richest owners in the league, and a squad that has been cleared out, and you have the license to basically build something from, from scratch, as I say, that that is... That is very ominous for, for the rest of MLS. I'm not sure if things will come together, as you kind of referenced, Taylor, in, in, in year one, if we're counting this season as year one of the rebuild. But going forward, if they make the right decisions, it feels like Atlanta United have the highest ceiling of any club in, in MLS. And if they get the right people in, both in in the front office and on the pitch, um, in terms of potential of that club, I'm not sure anyone in MLS can match them. Some good moves at the Benz. Graham, Lagerway, isn't that the name of the street you live on, by the way? <laughs> Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Joe, uh, Jossi Zardes has gone to Austin. Uh, if my math is correct, that's his third team in the calendar year as well. A little bit of movement there from the crew and the Rapids. Yeah, whoa. I didn't even I didn't even put that together. I, I forgot that move to Colorado had happened. Um, yeah, I, I like this one for Austin. I like it for Jossi Zardes as well. I mean, again, incredible atmosphere, passionate fans, beautiful stadium that I would love to get to down in Austin. A team that was very good last year in terms of results. They finished second in the Western Conference. They were a huge story in Major League Soccer last year and had a ton of success. Zardes could be another step for them towards consistent success because that's a concern with Austin, right? They did it last year, but was it a flash in the pan? In year two, can they replicate that in year three? And if not finish second, which I don't think you know they'll be too sad if they don't finish second, but finish you know in the top four or so in the Western Conference, that should be the target for this team this year. Now, I am a bit skeptical that that's going to happen given that they overperformed a lot last year. But Zardes is someone who can help close the gap between overperforming and in sort of their actual level. I think he's a guy who could go out there and get 15 goals a season. His movement off the ball is good. He seems to still be in good shape. He's not going to be a superstar in this league at this point, but him and Sebastian Driussi in the attack together, I mean, that's that's a good start for this Austin team. They need more depth in midfield. They need more help on the wings. They need more talent in a lot of different spots. But Zardes, I think, makes this team better pretty clearly. And that, for me, as a, as a free agent pickup, that's, that's a good sign. Very nice. Um, how about Aaron Long going to LAFC as well, Joe? Are they... Is Chiellini still around? Is he still doing things there? <laughs> he is. He's he's practicing his volleyball moves for this season right, when they play right, RSL. Yeah. He's practicing his spiking, his bumping, his setting, all that good stuff. No, Chiellini's still around. Aaron Long was a free agent pickup for LAFC who have since cleared up plenty of, of cap off their books as well. Gareth Bale is gone. There's a bunch of other players that are either gone already or expected to be gone. Sebastian Mendez, who I think we all really enjoyed watching in the World Cup, is now down in South America. They've cleared out some some defenders. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens still with LAFC in this offseason, but they do sign Aaron Long, which for me is just a telltale sign that they're preparing for a bunch of competitions this year. They're going to be in CCL. They're going to obviously be in the regular season. They're going to be in U.S. Open Cup. They're going to be in Leagues Cup. LAFC are the kind of club that aren't going to just punt on one of those competitions or multiple of those competitions like other clubs around Major League Soccer will. They're building the depth, and Aaron Long is good, I'm not so sure he's going to be like an every game starter from the jump for this team. If you really, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to say yes, he's probably going to be a regular starter for them. They, they sign him in free agency, they clearly want him, but they have Chiellini, who's not going to play every game, but they have Chiellini, they have Jesus Murillo, they have Elisa Girl, maybe they signed a center back from a Honduran international in, in Maldonado, I don't know how good he is, I haven't watched film of him yet. They have uh, Tony Leon, who's a, a young center back for them who's come up through their academy, there's quality in the back. I'm not so sure that Aaron Long is a better player than than Mario or than Segura if he comes back. I mean, there's a lot still that could change, but he is a good center back in Major League Soccer, and he is someone that can help you through, you know, whatever 50-some-odd, 60 games that teams could be playing in MLS this season. That's why I like this signing for LAFC. Joe, uh, you, you, I feel like you're going on extra time too much. I don't know when your last appearance was, but if people are putting a gun to your head and making you then 
uh, advocate one way or the other on MLS moves. That feels like maybe it's Doyle, and uh, and I'll have to have a word. Uh, so I'm just saying, you know, we wouldn't do that to you here. It's more of a gentle conversation than a gun to the head. Okay, that's good. I feel better. Much more relaxed now. Thank you for that, Taylor. That's right where we want you. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Graham, any other moves you wanted to highlight before we hit a break? No, just LAFC, just a, a further beat on LAFC. I think it's interesting. They're kind of waiting on things to happen. So uh, Jose Cifuentes, is, is that situation hasn't been resolved yet. The expectation was that he'd be off at the end of the season. That has not been the case. It's a, it's a surprise that we're this far into the offseason and, and he's still in Los Angeles. So I guess if, if he were to leave, then that might change the picture for LAFC. I, I want to know how they replied to Gareth Bale telling them on the call, on the phone that he was uh, retiring. They had to they had to pretend to be gutted about that news because that kind of free things up frees things up for them this year. They don't have to commit him to a DP spot. And for anyone who would like some more Gareth Bale chat, we did do a bonus episode on Gareth Bale's retirement and all uh, all that stuff and how it impacts LAFC on the TSS Plus, Plus Patreon. So you can sign up there to, to listen to that. So yeah, I want to see what LAFC do. It feels like they've maybe got. A a big move and left in them in the summer that might be when they get another dp in they have spent five million dollars on stipe buke who's yeah. not a player i'm familiar with he's a young croatian winger but to spend five million dollars on a player that is likely a depth and development option is is quite impressive for for that used to be like the headline act in an mls offseason and so for lafc to be doing that kind of shows you where they are with their, their roster they are they are strong and i expect them to be one of the contenders again in the west and in the in the playoffs this year very nice. Graham, it's cute that you think that Bale actually phoned them to tell him he wasn't coming back. <laughs> yeah, he just he just uh he just got his driver and he wrote a le- a, a, a message on a golf ball and he just <laughs> uh drove it into the middle of Bank of California Stadium. I heard that he was supposed to have uh like he was scheduled to show up for media appearances uh yeah. like for the preseason uh hype train and and there's a part of me that wonders if his agent called him and was like, hey, we got to get you in New York for like these MLS promotional things. And he was just like, yeah, I retire. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to do any PR right now. I want to go he play like, golf. He was, uh, he was like, coach or business class? Coach. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Taylor, those meetings were in San Jose as well. So even more reason. New York versus Ooh. San Jose. I've never, I've never been to San Jose. But I mean, come on. If you're Gareth Bale, I think you know which one of those two you're choosing. <laughs> I, I bet there's more golf in San Jose, to be fair. Oh, that's true. Hard to argue with that. Anyway, we'll never know. He retired. Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the teams we are looking forward to watching in this here 23 season. Back shortly. Today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Indochino. MLS is back, which means MLS fits are back. We got to see FC Dallas's cowboy hat move from player to player, and Iramendi rocked that thing after their win recently over the San Jose Earthquakes. We're getting to see pregame fits. Another FC Dallas player and Kosi Tafare never disappoints. Will Trapp over in Minnesota has surprisingly good pregame fits for the Loons. Athletes love to have the right fit and so do we. We love wearing our sports gear, but you can't wear a jersey all the time. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Indochino has high quality suits that are designed to fit you. They are made to your exact measurements and customizations, endless customization options at that. This is custom clothing, folks, at a surprisingly affordable price. We're talking quality wools, linen, and cotton in different colors and patterns. Indochino.com is your one-stop shop for all of this stuff. The ordering process is easy. The site is super simple, clean, and easy to use to find suits, shirts, pants, blazers, outerwear, All of that good stuff over at Indochino.com. If you want to level up your game with Indochino, go to Indochino.com and use code ATHLETIC to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our MLS preview, I guess we're calling this thing. Catch up. We're just talking MLS, that's all we're doing here. There we go, there we go. Tater, any teams you're particularly looking forward to seeing in this coming season? And is it St. Louis SC, SC... and their cat shirts. Actually, it is. Less so for the cat shirts. I think they'll be really interesting just for the reasons we've already talked about, that they might be very bad, but they might be bad at the start, but playing with an identity and playing with a style and to see how that style solidifies or does the opposite of that, I think will make them interesting. Uh, A a team that I I think I have more interest in in from a winning games, playing interesting soccer style would be uh, Orlando City. I think they've made some smart moves in terms of the players they brought back uh, and then some of the players that they will be bringing through. So uh, Mauricio Pereira and Pedro Gaese both re-signed. They added Ojeda as a DP, Joe, I think you have some thoughts on him. Uh, Fogodo Torres, still there, young DP, uh, nine goals and 33 appearances last season. Uh, a player I knew less about, but I feel like we will know more about as the years go, is Michael Halliday, 19-year-old right back, youngest ever uh, Orlando City player uh, when he made his debut. He's a USU 20 uh, mainstay. Maybe we'll see him in the Olympic conversation. Who knows there? But it just seems like Orlando City have strengthened in terms of the players they've brought in. I think Ojeda, uh, I'm less hyped about him than I think a lot of people seem to be. I feel like this is a downer episode for Taylor, and that's not what I'm going for. Uh, but I think there's a lot of a lot of hype around him for a player who, from what I saw, looked good. I didn't see him look next level, and I, it didn't seem like he was going to be that immediate difference maker, but I could well, well be wrong there. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on Ojeda? I think, so Martino Ojeda, to give a little bit of context, 24-year-old winger from Godoy Cruz in Argentina in the, in the top division there. Orlando reportedly pay about, what, four or five million for him? I think at that price tag, realistically at this point in MLS's development as a league and in Orlando's development, you're probably not paying $4 million or $5 million for a player who's coming in to be an MVP candidate. So if, if folks are hyping him that way, I think that's that's way off the mark. In terms of you know like a player who could come in in their first season and score 10 goals and get five assists, that okay. feels very doable yeah. for Ojeda. I'm not, I don't think he's a, a game-changer all-star right from the jump, but I mean, he's been in the top 20 in Argentina, according to FBREF in non-penalty goals and assists per 90 minutes for the last two years. He had 14 goals plus assists minus penalty kicks uh, in in roughly 2,000 minutes each of the last two years. That's good production in Argentina in a good league. I I like that. I like that a lot. He's left-footed. He's quick. He's dribbly. He does a lot of things that you like. And for Orlando City, partnering him with Facundo Torres in that attack, having Pereira pulling some strings from deep, having Erkan Cara, who was a, a DP they signed last year, you know, I like a lot of it. I'm not I'm not crazy high on Orlando just yet, but I think their talent has improved this offseason, off season, and that's a good thing for them. Ojeda is just another piece of that puzzle, although he is a, a slightly shinier and a slightly more exciting piece than a lot of the other ones. Yeah, the speculation I saw was that uh, that price tag would be probably double if he were 21. But because he's 24, it's uh, slightly lower. But yeah, good left foot, uh, good set piece taker. Speaking of of talented players or smart signings, uh, one I wanted to mention uh, from an individual standpoint is Carlos Andres Gomez uh, signing for RSL. Uh, That is a player I knew nothing about before I started researching this one. 20-year-old Colombian winger slash striker, formerly of uh, Millonarios in Colombia. He was set to join Red Bull Bragatino uh, in December. That fell apart due to financials. Make of that what you will. But he goes to RSL instead in January. Uh, And from what I have seen of him, I'm I'm very excited to watch him uh, play for RSL. Uh, He's got a cannon of a left foot cutting inside. He will fire from distance, and he is very good. But he's a really smart runner. Uh, Watching him sort of hold up his run and just do the the little tiptoe stutter step to make sure he stays on side, that seemed to be a hallmark of his game. I saw him do that for like four different goals. But he's very strong, very fast, a good finisher. He looks like a complete 
complete player that RSL have brought in and I think will be a difference maker for them. So that's one other individual player I think is worth spotlighting for a moment. Are you psyched about RSL by proxy? I, I will be honest and hold my hands up and say, like, I don't know because they're a team that I don't really watch as much. I, I am not enough of an MLS There's head. So many teams. To, exactly. To say, <laughs> like, many. I've got a ton of familiarity. Yeah, they've done this. They've done that. Th- that's where I look forward to our actual season previews that we will definitely do because that is the opportunity for me to kind of catch up on teams I'm less familiar with and learn about what their weaknesses were, how they've gone about addressing yeah. those. With RSL, I can't really give you... Uh, a summary of that that isn't just me sort of BSing, so I'd rather just say, uh, I think he makes them better, I think he'll be good. And and to bring us round to our TV chat, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to with the Apple TV deal, is how they'll do the whip-around show, because I genuinely feel like I will be better educated yeah. when there is good a point. show that can showcase the whole league and can... Um, dip into matches and highlights and so on because that hasn't that hasn't been a thing so far so I, I hope that's good and Graham the deal by the way is international so you'd be able to get the Apple deal in the UK right yeah yeah that's it's they ran down all the international contracts um, around the world and yeah so that's how I will watch it as well I'll get exactly the same coverage as you guys will in the US nice very good to hear Graham any teams you're looking forward to seeing on the Apple TV deal um, just the the LA Galaxy again. I was I was quite high on the Galaxy towards the end of the regular season. They haven't done a, a great deal of off season uh, business. Memo Rodriguez is coming from Houston. Chris Mavinga a reunion with uh, Greg Vanny from TFC. Um, but I was I liked a lot of excuse me what I saw from them in the second half of last season when things really started to come together for them. And a large part of that was down to the form of, of Ricky Pouge and and how he played. I really hope we get a full year of him in MLS. Because with him, there's this possibility that maybe he goes back to Europe and surely there are teams looking at him in, in Europe and in Spain that are considering making a move for him. And I could see why that would appeal at his age and at a stage of the career of his career that he's at. But the Galaxy were were really good when he was in top form. And then you factor in the 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 finishing of Hernandez, Chicharito when when he's fit. And that in itself is enough, that combination of Puj and, and his creativity and, and Hernandez, that in itself is enough to make the Galaxy a threat and I enjoyed watching them. It felt like another month of the regular season they might have been even stronger for the playoffs and they did push the LAFC pretty close in the playoffs in that in that conference semi-final. They they do also have a DP spot free after after shipping off Kevin Carvalho to the, to the Rapids. Douglas Costa could be on his way out as well. So there is room for them to m- maneuver in the market if they want to. They have been looking for this top level winger for a couple of years now and they haven't found that player. If they can find that that figure and add that player to, to this team, I think that could elevate them even further, make them even stronger. I just have faith in Greg Vanny to build a successful team. I thought we saw that, as I say, in the second half of last season. And I want to see what their ceiling is in uh, 2023. Yeah, Graham, you're talking about moves the Galaxy could make in the offseason. I do think they're going to go out there and try to find a winger. It's easier if uh, if Douglas Costa, excuse me, moves on. But uh, another offseason storyline for the Galaxy is MLS slapped them on the wrist because they cheated, Inter-Miami style. Yeah. Christian Pavon uh, used to play for the LA Galaxy, and there was some accounting fudging in that process, and basically they, they didn't report all the money they spent to, to bring him in. It wasn't classified correctly in terms of the budget status. So uh, in the summer window, the Galaxy can't sign anyone who doesn't already have like an international transfer certificate or whatever that, that ITC, whatever helps you register players. Basically, they can only sign players in the U.S. and Canada. They can't go and sign someone from abroad and bring them in. So I would expect if they're looking for that dynamic winger, they're going to go out and get them in this transfer window, whether that's before the season starts or maybe it's a little bit later because MLS's primary transfer window extends longer than the rest of the world or at least Europe. But there are some, some money troubles that the Galaxy and some signing troubles that they'll be in in the summer. Joe, just so I understand that, like they wouldn't do this, but if they wanted to, does that mean they could go after like Christian Pulisic and offer him all the Bail. money in the world? I don't, I don't believe so. So my understanding, I'm not the best person to answer this question. Tom or someone who actually does this stuff is better. But the transfer certificate or whatever that ITC thing is called, I can't remember what it stands for. You get that when you register in a country. So it's not about where you were born. But my understanding is Pulisic would have one that then registers him to, to play in England as a professional soccer player. So England versus the U.S. or Colombia for, for Gomez, the player you were talking about earlier. That's what that, what that means, basically. So they're basically limited to an intra-league trade or, or transfer or something. That's my like that. understanding. I yeah, d- yeah. I, I I hadn't I didn't know. Thanks for for telling us all that, Joe. I, I had honestly never heard of those certificates or anything like that. So mm. that's uh, yeah, I, that's that's good to know. I that. just remember 
it's funny you, you, you mentioned that one, Joe, because I remember the Christian Pavon thing as them being like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, maybe we'll play with four <laughs> DPs and we'll test that rule. I remember that being the talking point, and now here we are. I guess we found out how they got around it. My last thing on the galaxy, how would we feel about just calling uh, Ricky, can we just call him the Poosh? Can we just make that a thing? Sure. <laughs> that, that way I can <laughs> stop having to remember how to actually pronounce it. We're just, I'm just going to call him the Poosh from now on. Yeah. Poosh with a good game today. That's canon. Approved. <laughs> cool. cool, cool, cool. That sounds like a nickname of someone at a bar that you go to. The like, oh, where's the Puge? Yeah, uh, yeah. Poosh. Yeah, someone walks in, everyone goes, Puge. Yeah, it's, the it's Puge. got strong Norm vibes to it. You're not wrong. Yeah. Norm, Puge. There we go. Yeah. Um, I think ITC, by the way, is international transfer clearance. I know that because Charlotte FC did a lot of them when they were building their team originally. Joe, any other teams you want to shout out in this section before we move on? Yeah, quickly, Toronto FC. They still have like holes in their depth chart, like where there's where there's zero people in certain positions. I'm not sure they have a left back. I I don't think they have anyone to back up Michael Bradley at the number six spot. There are some major gaps still with this squad, but I mean this is an ambitious project, right? Bob Bradley is, is coming in. He's he's been here to lead this team. They missed the playoffs last year. That season was a failure by all accounts. But they have two of the most exciting players in the league in Federico Bernadeschi and in Lorenzo Insigne. What are they going to bring? What does the rest of the team end up looking like around them? They signed Matt Hedges in free agency. At, at center back, they lose Chris Mavinga. They've lost other players in the back. You know, does Hedges have the leg to the, the legs to help Michael Bradley control that central space? I doubt it. I think Hedges is a good player, a good passer. But this team could be exposed defensively over and over again like they were last year. I'm just curious. I don't. I don't know if this team's going to be fantastic, the best team in the league, or like a total tire fire. Most likely somewhere in between. But I'm guessing we're going to get glimpses of both of those extremes throughout the season. Tire fire. I like that as a analogy. I'm enjoying that. Um, one final order of business for this podcast, gentlemen. I want to hear your biggest contender for the respective conferences. Taylor, who's going to go ahead and win the East and the West, please? Uh, it feels like LAFC, for everything that uh, Joe and Graham have discussed previously, seems like they will be uh, plenty good, plenty strong. Philly, we haven't talked about much. I don't think they've done that much business at all. No. Uh, they lose Paxton Aronson and a couple other players, but for the most part, it seems like they will uh, be back to where they were last season. And I think some other teams in the East are weaker, some significantly so. So it feels like Philly will be a, a strong team in the East. Oh, Nashville back in the East, by the way, because they are they rotating every season now? That's the thing? Yeah, they do. So they'll flip back and forth forever until yeah. the end of time. That's how that's going nice. to go. Yep. Excellent stuff. Uh, Joe, uh, your contenders for each conference, please. Yeah, same thing as Taylor. I mean, I, I think a lot can change. A lot will change. Rosters are still in the very early stages of being built. Philly haven't done much. They, they signed Andres Perea. They traded for him from Orlando City. I uh, played randomly for the U.S. that one time in Orlando in that, yes, in that one game against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, they haven't really done much else other than make Daniel Gazdag a, a DP. Uh, it, it's just going to be the same good union team. Yeah. I don't know if they'll hit the same heights that they hit last Kai year, Wagner but they're going to be a good team. Maybe as well. Yeah, it seems like Kai Wagner's not going anywhere based off of, of Tom Bogut's reporting. So I don't know what really is going to be different for this team, but they're going to be good again this year. We're not going to talk about them a ton in the offseason because they're not doing stuff. But they'll be good, and LAFC still have the, the deepest squad in the West, so they're my pick there as well. Graham, you're, you are the voice of reason and the voice of predictions no, on this podcast. No, going to be boring. Retweet. It's just because it's very, it's still quite early in the offseason, and the two teams that were quite notably better than everyone else last season have basically kept the same, same teams together. So the Galaxy are really the only ones, I think, that at this moment could challenge LAFC, and Philly in the East pretty much have a free run. I'm, I'm interested to see what NYCFC do from yeah. this point on, because they've, yeah. they've got a lot to do. They... It's, they, they're pretty much testament to the theory that the worst thing that can happen to a squad in MLS is win MLS Cup because they have been picked apart since since that point. They were able to absorb losing Tati and, and Ronnie Dyla last season, but now Callens and Sean Johnson are at a contract. Um, Callens has a lot of clubs interested in him. Sean Johnson may be going to Toronto. So NYCFC's scouting department has been very efficient these last few years. This feels like their greatest test for, 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 a, yeah. for a while, and I want to see how that team comes together because obviously they've got the resources to, to build a, a championship team but it feels like they are very much at the start of a 
of of building that team back up again. It's it's wild. Graham, you mentioned it. Sean Johnson gone. Uh, Kyan's out of contract. Or Collins out of contract. Excuse me. Tinnerholm gone on a free. Maxi Morales to Racing uh, Racing Club. Uh, Heber traded to Seattle. Santi Rodriguez leaves for Bahia after his loan is done. They lost a lot of goals and a lot of experience in that team. I, I it's going to be really fascinating how they strengthen, how they rebuild, who they bring in. There's a lot of opportunity with NYCFC, but they're a team that. I have trouble saying would be in that contender category just because there is so much unknown about them at present. Indeed. Well, we know plenty about MLS 23 now, Tater. Thank you very much for your contributions as always, sir. Thank you to Graham and Joe who did the heavy lifting here. Uh, I'm happy to be a passenger on these MLS shows. Oh, come on. I'm the passenger here, fella. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Graham, thank you so much. You're the conductor, baby. You're the conductor. (laughs) I'm just the stowaway. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, you know, Rick Rubin, the music producer. I, yes. I listened to a podcast he was on the other day, and he says he doesn't like ever touch the board. He sort of lays on a couch and just occasionally makes comments, and yep. that's why he's a genius. Yep. That's what you were born the to most do, genius. Right? Is that me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah, word. Just, apart from the genius bit. Apart from the, yeah, I've just uh, aligned myself with one of the greatest um, music producers of all time. Ryan, Ryan laying on the day. couch, tossing out comments that no one asked for and searching the Lululemon website in between. That is what Ryan Bailey was born to do. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You got me there, Joe. Joe, thank you very much for your contributions on this here podcast. We appreciate you. Right back at you, Ryan. And Graham Rutherford, thank you again. I hope next time we see you, you're in um in the cat shirt. That's what we're calling it now. <laughs> thank you, Ryan Bailey, or couch conductor, as we're calling conductor. it. Couch conductor. By the way, they do do cat and dog food. I did check, but I think it's because it's got purr in the name. Makes me uh, yeah, yeah, yep. cats, right? Right, yep. legit. Listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye.